Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, which means Jorna Taylor is sitting across from me. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna, welcome. Hello, everyone in radio and podcast land. Yeah, that's right, Jorna. We are not only a podcast. We are on 1510 AM in Milwaukee and other radio stations in other parts of the state. Uh, Robert Craig is with us. Robert is the executive director here at Citizen Action. Robert, good morning. Good day, everyone. Oh, Robert's into the day already. So we do record on Thursday morning, um, and we have a number of topics that we want to talk about this week, including Senator Tammy Baldwin's uh, jumping up and supporting on Medicare for All. We're going to talk a little bit about the state budget that uh, passed the Assembly this week. Uh, We're going to talk about Foxconn. We're going to talk about the news that broke after we recorded last week about Peter Barker stepping down as minority leader in the Assembly. And we have some news about Paul Ryan and the upcoming Republican efforts to cut taxes. Let's be clear, that's what they're up to. With that, we're going to start by talking about Senator Tammy Baldwin and her announcement this week that she is supporting Medicare for All. And that is being introduced. It was actually introduced on Wednesday by Senator Bernie Sanders. But the big news is that there's this is uh, no longer you know, just a couple of folks. This isn't a fringe uh, issue. We have a lot of Democrats getting on board. Uh, and so this is a big, big news, Robert. Uh, this is in many ways, instead of being caught in the old fight about the Affordable Care Act, starting to look forward and talking about how do we actually build upon the Affordable Care Act? How do we actually start to make sure everybody's covered? I mean, this is a huge change, right? I mean, Senator Baldwin has supported uh, Medicare for All all along, but uh, she's not the only person you might have expected her, but a lot of senators who never have before are suddenly doing it. Um, and in fact, uh, some pundits are even pointing out, though I don't, it does not apply to Tammy, I don't believe, that a lot of the people signing on want to run for president, which is a complete sea change. It tells you that the Republican attempt to destroy the Affordable Care Act revealed to a lot of people that we actually think health care is a right and that we need to go beyond the Affordable Care Act, that the Affordable Care Act was unpopular in many ways because it didn't go far enough and because it was too expensive for a lot of people, rather than justifying the Republican view that we should pull back any government role and guaranteeing everyone can get affordable health care no matter what. Uh, this makes perfect sense. And, it, and also, it would not happen all at once. Most likely, the bill says that uh, as a transition. But I'm saying that this is likely to occur in pieces. But having a bill out there that has a clear transition is critical to organize these congressional elections. And the next presidential election will be a huge issue now in, the, uh, in, in Tammy Baldwin's reelection. You, you, you mentioned, essentially, uh, th- getting out there, setting the agenda. It is worth noting that the Republicans this week, and why it's great to have this bill out there, are looking backwards. It's yet another effort to try to cobble together a repeal effort that Senator Ron Johnson seems to be supporting. And we don't need to get into the details of the effort. Uh, we'll have links on the site about it, but it's really you know, more of the same, you know, trying to pull apart the Affordable Care Act and fighting the same old battle. But it's but it is important to be looking forward. And then, of course, you mentioned that for electoral purposes. It's worth noting that 
Senator Baldwin's opponent, Senator Leah Vukmir, State Senator Leah Vukmir, who's announced, I think, what, about a week or two ago? I think so. So she is officially in, uh, came out against Baldwin's uh, uh, support for, for, for Medicare for All, which, Jorna, the race is on, and, and of course this is going to be a, a very contested race that fits into a national context, and a little bit more about that from your side. <clears throat> Sorry, I, I wish people in Radioland could see my shocked face. Yes. That, you know, Leah Vukmir would be opposed to any sort of um, expansion of health care for she, Americans. She's a nurse. Yeah, she knows just, mm -hmm. just how important it is to deny access to health care, to affordable health care it is for everyone. Um, look, I, you know, I think it's interesting that she's the first one to officially declare against um, Senator Baldwin because Senator Baldwin has been great for our state and for the country fighting for millions of Americans to have access to the health care that we need, that we have a right to. You know, at, she, she writes about her own pre-existing conditions and, you know, as someone who has pre-existing conditions and is on the marketplace myself, these sorts of things are really scary to me, um, that when Republicans want to go backward, and I think that Ron Johnson really only wants to repeal the bill because he doesn't want to have to read more legislation, so, you know, we've talked about that before. Well, let's just wait a week. His <laughs> position might change on it. But Matt, you mentioned the national context, yep. and I think that everybody is looking at 2018. Things are a mess. There's no one in this country that couldn't look around and go, what the heck has happened here? You know, between Trump and the Republicans at the federal level and at the state level, who I know we're going to get to this, but can't pass a budget with control of all three um, legislative branches. So that's good. Uh, we're looking at 2018 and we're seeing rats flee the ship um, already. There have been three GOP House members who have already said they're not going to run for re-election and those were in, you know, lean red seats and the Nate Silvers of the world have already immediately moved those into toss-ups. And so there's going to be opportunities for Democrats across the board in 2018 and we better be ready for it. Well, we've talked a lot and Robert has spoken on this and I'll get back to him as if we don't have if we don't have a forward-looking agenda like Medicare for all, it makes it much more difficult to start to create a sea change. And so it's getting out in front of this, moving, moving and talking about this. We're certainly going to be talking about it at Citizen Action. Want to also point out, Robert, and get your thoughts, is that not only did uh, Senator Baldwin come out this week for Medicare for All, but also the ability for us to buy in and be a part of the Medicaid program, Badger Care, essentially public option that we've been pushing. We've been pushing with Representative uh, Genrich, our Northeast Wisconsin co-op member in Green Bay, and Senator LaTanya Johnson, a great champion from here in Milwaukee. And uh, yes, so Tammy Baldwin is proposing votes people being able to buy into Medicaid, and she is also proposing uh, people being able to buy into Medicare when they turn 55. And so those are the kinds of in incremental steps I was talking about to eventually get uh, to Medicare for all across the whole country. And the thing about Vukmir, Senator Vukmir, State Senator Vukmir, who I've debated at least three times, is, is that you can see in her press release, people should take a look at it, it, it shows her character, it's sneering, it's kind of mean and angry. It says, it's no surprise to me that Senator Baldwin supports socialized government-run health care along with Bernie Sanders. So, and then it says, Medicare Senator Baldwin has been running around the state saying that health care is personal. Well, yeah, she had a pre-existing condition. It is. Well, if it's personal, that's why government-run health care is foolish. 
And you know, you just it, you really it really is like the like Nurse Ratchet here. I think that versus Tammy Baldwin's demeanor is a good setup in addition to the policy difference on health care. Robert's got a girlfriend. <laughs> 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 Robert, haven't you debated the good state He's, senator before? At least three times. Yeah. I believe I believe Robert is quoting from a previous release where she talked about Robert chasing her around the state. Uh-huh. <laughs> Robert's got a oh, girlfriend. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> Opposites do attract, you know. You know, it's well, a Carvel Matlin type. Could you imagine the healthcare policy debates between Robert? She has been the chair. She oh, has been the God. chair of Alec, so that yes. is very appealing. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I'd pay, I'd pay to see that radio show. <laughs> oh my God, uh, Senator Vukmir, you got a you got a coming, closet coming fan. to <laughs> Wiss Eye, the new reality show, Robert and yeah. Leah in love. But he does have a beef with your health care policy, among other things. But so actually, but back to the point, right? <laughs> You're so warm and cuddly. I can see why they make the claim. But look, I mean, in all seriousness, this issue is going to be one of the defining issues in the upcoming election. And so a big shout out and kudos to uh, to Senator Baldwin for, for leading on this. She was, there were great efforts to try to get her on to our show today, uh, but unfortunately she's extremely busy and we couldn't get her. But we're really glad that she's leading on this. And we will definitely be talking more about healthcare as we go forward and talking more about that race. Robert, looks like you may have more on your girlfriend. What's going on? I'm just kidding. On Senator Bookmere. Well, all kidding aside, and it is kidding, folks, just to be clear. Um, right. Thanks, Robert. Senator Vukmir says in her release that it's time for the federal government to get out of health care. Now, what is that poll at? That means no Medicare, no Medicaid, right? No, no VA uh, system. So... Literally, I've seen polling that says 70% of the public, uh, upwards of, thinks that the federal government's job to guarantee everyone has affordable health care because no one else can do it in the 21st century, folks. If you want people to have a right to health care, you need to use our democratic government. And literally, I mean, you can just pull this out. You can run the ads. You can cut the ads. It's time for federal government to get out of health care. Yes, and I like that ad because it meshes so well with their message against Planned Parenthood that women in general have no right over their own health care and the government should control my body. So I feel like her consistency. Robert, maybe you and your girlfriend should have a conversation about, um, you know, consistency in messaging. You are a you are a rhetorician. Are you trying to prove that kind of like in- <laughs> Infowars Breitbart-style messaging works if you just state something that people will believe it. Yeah, I don't know. Is that what your girlfriend believes? Yes. <laughs> well, we're we're gonna have to take a break from this love fest. When we come back, we'll 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 see if it continues. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action, and you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We want to spend some time talking about the state budget. It, it, there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about for a number of months because the state budget is at least two months behind, maybe three, depending on most people usually try to get these things done in May. But uh, this week, the assembly passed the state budget, if I'm correct. It was the assembly, right? Uh, yes, the assembly passed the state budget. And, you know, it is, as we've talked about in the past, it is filled with things, giveaways to special interest. I believe after we recorded last week, we found out about a $4 million airport giveaway, all sorts of fun things. 
But Jorna, there's one particular thing that appears it's going to stay in the budget that I know has you very upset, and that is this hybrid vehicle tax. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous thing. I'm not sure of all the atrocities in this budget why this one makes me the most angry, um, but it brings out the like Hulk in me, Jorna angry, go smash things. Because we are punishing people, albeit people who can afford hybrids, like I get that, but we are punishing people for trying to do their part to reduce emissions and our dependency on fossil fuels and, you know, not tear apart our earth anymore than it is. So we should tax them because they're not paying enough in gas taxes and, you know, supporting the road builders enough. And instead of looking for alternative transportation, you know, we'll We'll just we'll just tax those those nasty white liberal hybrid owners. Right. So here it is. Right. We like to be fact based. We <laughs> you if do. we don't prevent a, a a a more than two degree increase in uh, centigrade in global temperatures, there'll be a genocide. Okay. And even at two degrees, uh, which is probably the best we can do, um, limited to that, there's going to be a huge disruption. And so in that situation, people who have done the right thing by buying hybrids are now going to be taxed $100. Uh, that's literally, they, but they're unwilling, based on some sort of right-wing nostrums, to raise the gas tax to simply pay for the transportation they want to do. I mean, it's not transportation we ought to be wanting to do, but I'm just saying it literally is a situation, I mean, it's bizarre. It's like we are punishing good behavior and rewarding bad behavior. It reminds me of RoboCop 1, the movie where they were advertising cars based on how low their gas mileage was. In other words, it becomes a badge of pride not to do what is socially good and necessary. Well, and Robert, you know, you bring up a point, raising the gas tax. Unfortunately, on the flip side of that, because Wisconsin refuses to invest in actual public transportation and alternatives, the gas tax will impact those folks who may have an older car that takes more gas and you know isn't getting as great a mileage and things so so unfortunately that's going to you know disproportionately affect the working class as well um, and on the flip side we still don't do anything to help them but we still can't punish folks for doing the right thing this is just the most asinine you know preposterous thing that i see in the budget of a lot of really horrible things <laughs> Right, because there are folks who live in rural areas who simply have to drive a lot further, yep. for example. So I'm not saying no. I'm a great fan of, but this, that we're right. going to tax right. people for, and by the way, there are non-hybrids that get nearly as good mileage as some hybrids. My little so, Honda Fit gets terrific gas right. mileage. But there's that, but the, the, the attack on kind of, I mean, the business leaders of this state, I sat in a WEDEC meeting once, Governor's Jobs Agency, where they said we need Fun. to make Wisconsin cool so that the knowledge worker millennials would come here and stay here. And it was, of course, no one at the table talking about making it cool was cool by any such definition. If you've seen us, uh, I hope you Snapchatted that Hogan, out. <laughs> I was cool by compared to them. Anyway, uh, so taxing hybrids and electric cars is cool. There's another provision that also is going to make it much harder to create bike paths. And there's a lot of outcry Boo. about that. It would literally, no one knows who inserted the provision. I love that. There's where open records uh, ought to come in, right? Uh, but the provision says is that you cannot condemn any property uh, to create recreational trails or bike commuter paths or bike lanes on sidewalks 
And uh, the folks in Madison are saying that this jeopardizes a huge number of projects. It's a safety issue because we have bikes, because fortunately more people are biking, going down streets not designed for it and being in danger, right? And it could be one property owner could hold up a whole bike path uh, because they refuse to sell, right? Even if, even if 1,000 property owners agree, whatever the number. I got to say, this state budget makes my head hurt, and the whole conversation around it, we've we've talked about it in the past, and it's very frustrating because of the limitations of what we're operating within this budget, and we've talked about this as it relates to Foxconn. This budget sort of reflects the idea that like there's scarcity, that there's nothing, that we can't do anything. We're really fighting over this very small amount of money. And there's nothing big. There's nothing big or exciting. There's, there, there's you know, uh, nothing that would really change uh, the way our economy's functioning. And that is and really... And lots of sleazy stuff that hurts. So not only this, things like uh, giving more tax giveaways to, to people for vouchers, like essentially yeah. allowing people of higher income uh, to get the tax credit, uh, you also have a provision that Corey Mason, the state rep running for Racine mayor, has rightly called out, which makes it easier to secede from a school district, which will make some suburban areas or more middle class areas be able to pull out of working class and lower income districts and therefore leave them with few, fewer resources and money to educate kids who need more resources. Yeah, and by the way, they think the kids with the most money should get the best education. That's clearly what this legislature and this majority thinks. Look, it's it's so rotten, you know, the, not only the pay-to-play, but the special interest provisions. I mentioned the, the airport. It was like $4 million, not just a tiny, I mean, I get in a there bigger budget. There was one budget. to get railroad crossing on his own street. Yeah, 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 railroad crossing on his own street. And, and then you see when Foxconn shows up that there's $3 billion. And you realize, right, that really the true priorities of what regular or Ordinary people want the opportunity that we all need, and those investments in in public education, uh, you know, f college, technical college. There's nothing that makes that fundamentally change for a person. And this is really the calling, Jordan. You brought up on the previous segment how um, Medicare for all is really operates in this broader environment of this national election coming up, and Democrats here in the state. This budget and Foxconn and the stink of all of it is a real opportunity to be out there and proposing big things like what uh, Senator Baldwin is doing uh, nationally uh, because this budget is just, there's nothing there. It, it's a reflection of pre-Foxconn. And then Foxconn, the one upside is it, it ought to demonstrate to us and everyone that money can be spent and we ought, to, we ought to be thinking about how are we gonna invest in the kind of opportunity and the 21st century Wisconsin that we want because this vision that's expressed in this budget is, is nothing close well, to that. Uh, Voss said it best, the uh, House Speaker, I heard him on Wisconsin Radio this morning saying that this budget shows that they're on the side, the majority is on the side of the taxpayers and against the government. So our democratic government right? Our democracy is the enemy of the people. I mean, can you see how ridiculously infantile this philosophy is and how it's also a lie? Because they're all for using government for their own private purposes, yep. Foxconn, everything else. But then they're going to try to put it, force into this frame that somehow this ridiculous frame 
that our democratic government is the enemy of the people. Well, guess what? It is when they're in control of it. I'll give him that much. But it doesn't need to be, and it oughtn't to be, and it's a shameful uh, that people who think that way should be in power in this state. <laughs> it's shameful that they have control over all three um, legislative branches and they can't pass a budget. I mean, yeah. shameful as it, ridiculous, hysterical, shows their lack of um, discipline, frankly. It shows that they're fraying at the edges. You know? And when they were so lockstep you know, through things like Act 10 and through all of these other atrocities they've enacted upon the state, it shows that you know, maybe Walker is actually vulnerable going into 2018 and that he doesn't have control over his uh, legislative arm as much as he thought he did. You know, they, someone said that you can tell what people's principles, commitment to principles really are, really is in the breach. That is to say, it's one thing to blabber about how we're going to put government on a diet and we're going to pay as you go and all of this. But then, well, if you really want to know the principles of these folks, look what they do when they're in power. And ultimately... These folks are about power and very little else. And much of what they articulate as their philosophy is completely absent uh, from, from their moral document, their budget. Well, we started the show again on healthcare for all. And Robert, you read Leah Vukmir's attitude about government, right? I mean, look, folks, it's out there and it's really up to us to help empower and support people who are going to run for office who are actually going to articulate some something very different than this vision because that's what it's it's going to take you know a slightly different uh vision of what's in this budget is is not going to cut the muster to to uh, change what jorna laid out full control by conservatives so that is a challenge that is a challenge for all of us as a movement and hopefully the uh what now 1820 40 candidates running for governor will start to really <laughs> <laughs> articulate uh, as we head into uh, 2018. But with that, we have to take a break. On the back end of this, we, we are going to talk a little Foxconn because, you know, who doesn't want to talk a little Foxconn? Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action Wisconsin. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. For the break, we are talking about the state budget, and we think it's only appropriate that we have an update on Foxconn, since there's always news on Foxconn. It's, it is the defining issue right now in our state, along with the budget. So this week, Foxconn passed the Senate there's been more changes, so if I'm correct, it has to go back to the assembly again. Am I am I right about that? I hope I, the vote will be Thursday. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so uh, for our radio listeners, it will have occurred already. Yeah. Uh, we think that there's no chance that the assembly will not rubber stamp it. They've already voted for the earlier version, but yeah. so it should be ready for a ceremonial signature from Governor Walker upon his return from his Asian trade mission. Yes. Well. <laughs> Robert, you meant, okay. Sorry. You're, you're, you're distracting me, but that trade mission, it's really worth pointing out. He was on a trade mission where he was actually meeting with suppliers for Foxconn. So when he's running around the state telling the good folks of lacrosse that they're going to be the suppliers of Foxconn, uh uh, he's meeting with them right now, right? That's. 
So I just, I think that Foxconn is the most fascinating name for this company because it appears that there are some foxes in the Wisconsin state legislature and they have con. Okay, Jorna. <laughs> Come on. Cut it out. Come on. We've been talking about this Dude, for six I'm weeks and it waited so till this funny. week. <laughs> so, so, you know, let's just talk about Foxconn for just a yep. hot minute. Um, you know, we are now going to be, the GOP is going to be a wholly owned subsidiary of the Chinese, of this Chinese manufacturing company, right? For the foreseeable decades, not like a couple years. And every time this company wants something new and they need to retool to make a new screen or they need to change, they're going to come back to their, you know, feeding trough and the GOP will have no choice but to say, oh, yeah, here, we can give you some more money because we have to because their success or failure is tied to the success or failure of the foxes that are conning them into giving. I know I'm so good at this, right? So they're just going to have to keep coming back and coming back and coming back for a very profitable overseas company. Like, it's not like, you know, Foxconn was like, oh, we're so poor. That's not a thing. Right. So uh, the values of their investors, Wall Street, is get everything you can and no profits to, uh, to it's enough, right? If you, so we can, we can fleece these marks even more. And so this is, I've been saying a scandal waiting to happen, but it would be one of the biggest economic scandals in American history, and certainly the biggest in Wisconsin history. There's actually scenarios where they could build, they could get, they could half, get half the money, basically, and build a completely robotic plant and just leave all of the tax credit money for job on the table or some variation therein. And then, of course, Walker keeps saying, his office keeps saying in response to our press conferences that it's paper performance. Uh, but his own wonderful jobs agency, WEDEC, uh, the Audit Bureau found earlier this year in May that they still do not collect the enough information to verify the jobs they're paying for now are actually being created. And so, obviously, this is a, a huge scandal waiting to happen, and uh, Walker's projection and analysis here is he doesn't care because he just wants to have a victory for the 2018 election so he can say he brought jobs. He expects to be long gone uh, before the scandal occurs, and that's always been the problem with economic development deals in general, that there's an incentive for politicians to make the big announcement, and then the actual consequences come later. But this is just on a grand scale, and, it's, and it actually has changed uh, the whole economic development debate in the country, because it's a Trump-Walker supersizing. Of, of the usual economic development, bribing corporations to come or stay kind of stuff that still already costs a state and local government $80 billion a year, according to the New York Times. This makes it so much worse that states are terrified uh, that now every company, including Amazon, which is trying to ah. compete for Milwaukee, at 23 cities where Milwaukee are competing for, are going to ask for the Foxconn deal. And everyone, all the other companies in Wisconsin now are going to say, we're leaving. Johnson Controls, we're going to leave unless you give us the Foxconn deal. Well, and here's the problem. Uh, you know, I was going to mention this Amazon thing. We can't, we can't now compete, right? Because Republicans, you know, blew our wad of money uh, on this Foxconn deal. And so we don't have an option to compete for other national, you know, multi international corporations to come to Wisconsin because we are poor now and we are owned by a Chinese manufacturer. So there was... <laughs> Just saying. Very, we, yes. we are poor. <laughs> well, there is some additional news this week, and that is Kenosha, which 
early on. They were like, peace, suckers. Yeah, super excited. (laughs) Like, I I probably should pull out some of the first weekend's quotes from the good folks in Kenosha. Uh, Very excited about it. But let's be honest, okay, Uh, it's normal to be excited when you first hear that, hey, there'll be a, a big business. Well, fortunately, the good folks at Kenosha actually took time to look at the deal and decided this was not a good deal for them. And, you know, the details have to do with the way uh, property taxes, TIFs, and some of the, the limits that are on them that will actually cause extreme financial hardship on the community that builds this. Robert, I know uh, you've looked into this a little bit. And why why is why would Ken- Kenosha right, say no, but Racine say yes? Any That's sense? A good question. Um, you could say Racine is more desperate. Kenosha has had m- relatively more development. Um, I think that's Mer- true. I do think the unemployment rates. I think Marantaradium is a is considered a, uh, a, a a a savvy person. You know, have been mayor of Kenosha for a long time and actually looked at the details. Uh, but quite frankly, there's a huge number of risks. What Marantaradium was complaining about was that expects public safety, uh, police, fire, infrastructure to be provided by Kenosha with none of the money coming to pay, to pay for right. it. And so it's, it, it, the, the setup is all stacked. There's all this unfunded mandates essentially on the local government. Plus, they're going to be close to it anyway. He didn't say this, but I'm saying this. And so right. why not let Racine do it all? But the thing that's not being discussed is a lot of cities and counties across the country have gone bankrupt by having huge TIF districts, and then the company leaves. And Foxconn can leave in 10 years. Uh, Brokaw, Wisconsin, is broke because a hedge fund company bought a a paper mill that they had a huge TIF backing up. They'd negotiate with the previous owners and then just left. And so this is a huge risk. I mean, and I can see future right-wingers saying, we can't bail out Racine, blah, 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 blah. But you're the ones who who push Racine into, into essentially merging its future to, to, to a giant uh, multinational corporation with a horrendous track record of breaking deals and lying. Well, you hit the nail on the head. They live right next to this thing, right? It's going to be built, and their their folks are going to have easy access. So, like Illinois we, does great too, because they don't have to pay for it. But you know, folks well, Illinois, Illinois is even come, better, yeah. right? Well, it got a little bit further away from them though now this week with this Slightly. news. But nonetheless, still still plenty close. Um, look, and it is worth pointing out, right? There is a. I mean, Racine is in a little bit. Not not only economically, I think Racine has was a little more tied. Has had a was I don't want to say a little more tied to manufacturing, but has certainly struggled. I think more than Kenosha uh, to to sort of break out of that economic situation. Also, having a mayor's race where you don't have a mayor who can who's been there who could politically stand up and take the pressure of what it would mean to quote take a pass on thirteen thousand jobs right uh that certainly uh cory mason finds himself in i think is a different certainly is a part of this dynamic that's going on but nonetheless it is very worth pointing out that kenosha's actions this week do reveal a lot of what we have been talking about and other leaders democratic leaders around the state have been talking about how this is not a good deal and this is just the implication for the county we're not even talking about right what all the state taxpayers are taking on so, but with that, I don't know, I think we need to move on in this podcast. Uh, again, though, Foxconn, the budget, this is all really going to play out in, in the, the election next year. And, and you're seeing that, oh, 
that's right. I wanted to point out that we had a Republican vote against Foxconn. Cowles. So that will tell you that, and this is the uh, suburban, rural areas around Green Bay, uh, Appleton, right? So you're talking about really seeing in an area that, let's say, last election went very, very Republican, um, not wanting to vote for this and seeing this as a bad deal. I would actually say that that is potentially a bellwether for what we're, we could see electorally next year around this issue. Powell's has been there a while as more of a moderate Republican. What, what stands for one now uh, probably is, you know, literally was in a position, I think, where he was actually looking at how bad a deal it was. I'm much more surprised that people like Roger Roth, for example, uh, the Appleton area state center, went and signed on the bottom line for something that they have to pay for that doesn't benefit the area at all and which is going to be the mother of all scandals down the line. And so this is if they think the Milwaukee pension scandal uh, was was bad, good because they think it was good because Scott Walker's career was launched that way, really. Uh, that's nothing compared to what kind of scandal this is going to be. Yeah, and shout out to State Rep Amanda Stuck. We had her on, I believe it was last week or the week before. Uh, she's been a leader on this, and again this week had another media event uh, calling out Roth for his support on the day he was voting for this. Did an outstanding media event uh, and is keeping the pressure on him. Boy, you know, and she, Jonathan Brostow's been tireless as well. Uh, and and. In particular, though, I was meaning as it relates to Roth. Maybe that is an area where uh, down the road he could be vulnerable. Go, Representative Amanda Stuck. With that, though, we got to get out of here. We'll be right back here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action, and you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We've been talking state politics here. We talked a little bit about the state budget. We just did our little Foxconn update. And we got to talk a little insider politics. There we were, never do that. Uh, we never do that. We love to talk a little inside baseball. We know our listeners are interested in that, and that means you probably all tracked what went on uh, late last week as uh, sent, uh, Representative Peter Barca stepped down as the minority leader in the assembly. And it sounds like, or it's looking like, Representative Gordon Hintz will be the new uh, minority leader. We were just talking about Foxconn. I can't help but believe maybe Foxconn. I'm not saying it's the only reason. I know there's been other things going on, but... This is, um, you know, I, I can't say it's shocking because Barca's been the leader now for a while, right? And, you know, the, the last couple election cycles haven't been necessarily uh, overly successful, right? In fact, have been disappointing, right? Uh, but has managed to hold control. So, but Foxconn uh, push out. What we, this is an interesting change, right? And as we head into an election, any thoughts from our panel as to what this means? Well, you know, we want to thank uh, Representative Barca for his leadership for so long of the Assembly Democrats, and certainly there are ups and downs in anyone's leadership tenure, as as our good friend Speaker Ryan is experiencing, but we'll get to him in a little bit. Um, I, I think that it will be good. I really like Representative Hinson. If he is the chosen leader, I think he's going to bring some fresh new ideas perhaps to the Assembly Democrats, especially as we go into 2018. Hopefully with new maps, um, 
or at least a few new maps, and hopefully with some really great opportunities, not just in Madison and Milwaukee, but in more um, rural and suburban areas to uh, pick up some seats. Yeah, uh, you mentioned uh, Barca. It is worth pointing out. I think all of us will never forget Peter Barca during Act 10 and how he acted very you know, swiftly and uh, on democracy. And statesmanlike. Absolutely excellent. Uh, but uh, looking forward, uh, Robert, one thing I want to get your comment on, the times they are changing, right? Talk a little more about Gordon Hintz and then also sort of the changing sort of coalition, right? There's there's a lot of younger, newly elected folks behind some of this change, which could, could lead to good things, potentially. Yeah, let me say something about Peter Barca first, yep. and that is, I'm not going to say anything disparaging. It's a thankless task uh, uh, to be a minority leader. He's my minor leader in the age of Walker, so to speak. Unfortunately, you have to call it that. And, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, everyone has their limitations. So you, it's hard to tell when, when because the, the leader gets all the pot shots, whether it's the leader not going in the right direction or him having a very difficult caucus and him getting the best he possibly could. In some cases, I think that was the case. I, if I had a critique, it would be that I really think Peter needed to get a consensus on a bold economic vision, something that would be uh, that would actually uh, you, you compete with Foxconn, and we really don't have that. Now, since I don't think he really tried to do it, I'm not positive that if someone else was leader, they would have gotten it out of this caucus. But I'm just saying that it, that 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 was lacking at the end, um, and and was really problematic. It made it much harder to to oppose Foxconn when you have nothing to oppose it. That's a big and bold. Uh, but having said that, obviously he did a great job in Act 10, and he had a lot of supporters in the caucus, and obviously he was a serious person who serious serious about public service, and so we definitely should commend him for all of his work, and he's still in the state legislature, so I'm still he will, sure he would continue uh, to offer his expertise and leadership. Uh, but there really is kind of, as Matt, you were suggesting your question, a generational uh, changeover going on here, and the young Turks... Uh, and you could call them, uh, were behind this in some ways. And so Gordon has a difficult job, and that Gordon Hintz is well-respected across the caucus, but the fissures that partly led to Peter leaving right now are still there. Yep. And as part of the caucus that was very loyal to Peter is very upset, and so getting them to work on a joint agenda and a bold economic vision, a bold healthcare vision, the other things we need, um, will, be, will be essential. And so I think Gordon Hintz is very talented and very bright and a very serious legislator, works very hard. And so I certainly think that he has uh, a good shot at doing this, but I don't, I'm not in the caucus. So I have to tell you, this is about a group of personalities training along. And I can't tell you, like I can tell you a lot more about citizen action, our group of personalities and what we could potentially do than I could this caucus. I hope uh, that there's enough promise there that Gordon can uh, create a new vision and create a, a and really get them unified on a bold alternative, not just being against Walker and Voss. Well, this will continue to play out. Um, I agree with you. I, you know, there was a lot of divides even within our organization post the election or between so say Sanders and, and Clinton supporters, and I think it is trying to stay focused on an agenda and what we all agree upon and where we want to go that actually guides us and gets us past sort of what will always be pers will always be differences. We just have to accept that they ain't going to go away. It's the agenda that holds us together, and we need to be serious about it. So uh, 
we'll, we'll continue to track that and give our thoughts on the podcast and show as we go forward. But uh, we do need to change topics. We do have to talk a little bit about Paul Ryan. Um, and it's important we talk about Paul Ryan because uh, our listeners should know that this is going to be Jorna's last show. Oh, not her last show ever. She'll reappear. A guest star. Right. She will guest. But Jorna has been with us for years and is it's been, like been three years. Ex- yes, extremely dedicated, coming every week for no pay and much punishment. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, we are extraordinarily grateful. And one of the great features of Jorna has been her desire to have fun with our buddy Paul Ryan. And, and it's, again, this week there's something. Uh, Paul Ryan has announced this week in spite of telling us for months and months and they ran on it that their tax cut would be, wouldn't hurt the deficit, would, would, would be revenue neutral. He's now saying that's not true, Jorna. And uh, actually it will increase the deficit amongst all the other great pain it will cause. Paul Ryan has a hard life. (laughs) I mean, it's really hard to juggle his members and keep them in line and juggle his president, which, you know, who he has to walk back his statements every time Donald Trump then goes and contradicts him. And now he, we actually are going to go further into debt because of uh, his tax cuts. So, you know, they were. Uh, it was rumored that they were looking to replace him um, a couple weeks ago, and, it, and they were actually rumoring because. Did you know, Matt? Robert knew this. I know Robert knew this. <laughs> that you don't actually have to be a member of the House to be the Speaker. Robert knew. Robert is shaking his head. Yes. <laughs> um, so they He's were rumoring to replace with him with uh, with someone not from the House, but. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how long the boy wonder, to use a Robert term, lasts in his speakership. Somehow he has managed to like, you know, duck dodge and weave a little bit and back talk and, you know, figure it out. But man, he is damaged. And for me, that's awesome going into 2018 when there's a strong candidate against him in the first. Well, and his other problem is Trump has now gone rogue, right? Because he's so frustrated he can't get anything through Ryan and McConnell, which is actually a reason, one, one of the only reasonable frustrations Trump may have. Um, he started cutting deals with Democrats. He cut a debt limit disaster relief deal without McConnell and Ryan, to their shock and horror. And then he apparently, uh, Wednesday night, <laughs> uh, cut a deal on DACA that did not involve the wall over a Chinese dinner in the White House Blue Room with Nancy and Chuck, That's right? Legit. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. That's legit. And then immediately they started trying to walk it back and say that he had not agreed to anything. Uh, so you never know what he's going to do, and he's sort of exploring some sort of, I don't know, nonpartisan, bipartisan presidency where he works with the Democrats instead of the Republicans. But that is one way around the freaking Freedom Caucus, right? <laughs> and they seem to be able to block anything in the House of Representatives, despite what Boy Wonder may say to them. So I am going to intercede on the Boy Wonder conversation and get us back to talking about Jorna. Let's Um, talk about me. Yeah, so Jorna, you are always welcome to come and talk Paul Ryan or any other topics. To, to come and poke gently at Robert. That's right. You you have a free pass to come back and be a guest anytime on the show. But we do have a parting gift for you as you go. Um, for our listeners who haven't been paying attention at all or listening to Jorna, 
Jorna loves music. I do. And loves to go to concerts. And so we have a gift card for her to go here in Milwaukee. We are lucky to have the Pabst, the Turner Hall, and Riverside all connected. And so you can use that at any one of those fine facilities to go see a show. I was Uh, at a show last night at Turner Hall. Beautiful. See? (laughs) So thank you. That's 24 hours too late. We could have saved you a little little (laughs) money. Uh, Brian has, uh, Wildridge did write a disclaimer on there that it can only be used at Wildridge Brothers <laughs> shows. Who will be on 414 <laughs> Music on 88.9 on today, Tonight, so listeners yeah, won't hear yep, it until... Unfortunately, yeah. yep, you'll have to go back and listen to it. So, well, Jorna, uh, obviously, uh, sincerely, very, very grateful. I don't think people understand that you... It's hard to do something every Thursday morning for years, uh, and we don't miss a lot of shows, and you haven't missed many, so we're, we're in- incredibly grateful. Well, it has been a fascinating and fun experience, at times a bit frustrating, but uh, <laughs> that's only because I have the utmost love for all of you, <laughs> and um, thank you. It really has been a fantastic, um, what, almost, God, it's over three years, I feel like, and it will be weird to have my Thursday mornings and not wonder yep. if Robert will be coming on his bike or if he will be coming in his car. <laughs> <laughs> or what sort of crisis or what guest will appear on that day. Because yes. let's be clear, listeners, we kind of pull this together in the morning as yeah. we're doing it. So. Yes, I'm an early riser. <laughs> and so, uh, yes, it is something that we try to try to, try to to do our best to figure out what we think is the most important every week. And, Jorna, we really appreciate well, that thank you, you struggled with us and to try to figure that Jorna's out. Jorna's a good sport about not publicly complaining about guests that she didn't feel like <laughs> welcoming. <laughs> and I'm sure those guests have never complained about me. No. It is, we never get complaints. It's all love for Jorna. Everybody all always love. loves my my sense of humor. Your sense of my humor kindness. cuts across all. <laughs> cuts. But with that, we need to bring this Battleground podcast to a close. Actually, I should stop saying podcast. We are a show now. Uh, and we want to, as always, thank Brian Wildridge, our producer, who makes uh, the show happen every week and wish you the best in your concert tonight, Brian. But with that, we'll see you all next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin. <laughs>